Welcome back to Team Talk, ESPN Radio 1017, the team. We're keeping you updated on the baseball games. Yankees and Twins now in the top of the 11th inning, and it's still 3-3. Three to three. And then the Dodgers at batting in the bottom of the 7th. That game now tied at 3-3 three to three, uh, itself. But uh, joining us now on the Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Cool Take Hotline is Luke Fedlam. He is a... Um, he is uh, a um, NIL expert. Uh, he's a non-agent sports attorney who counsels student athletes, professional athletes, and retired athletes and, on NIL and how to navigate their careers during and after sports. Thank you so much for joining us, Luke. Um, couple of weeks into the college football season and, uh, you know, the whole NIL came down a little over a year ago, the Supreme Court decision. Uh, how do you think things are now? I mean, Nick Saban compared it to, you know, driving off on a truck without tying your boat down and all this other thing. How do you think it sits right now, Luke? Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And, and I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's interesting, right, the, when you hear coaches' kind of assessment of NIL. And it, it's true. NIL is a bit of the wild, wild west right now. Um, there's, no, there's no national standard. So schools have their own policies. Different states have different laws. Different institutions are engaging in NIL with their student-athletes, while some aren't. So it is the wild, wild west. But it is interesting, you know, because it, it, NIL is something that coaches can't, can't control. And so when you talk to coaches, a lot of times, you know, they like to control everything. So when you, when you hear coaches talking about it, now they have to talk about something that's completely out of their control when it comes to NIL. So it is a really interesting time in college sports. So, uh, Luke, I know you consult for Ohio State, University of Florida, University of Louisville, uh, Notre Dame, amongst others. Um, you're talking to fans of uh, the University of New Mexico Lobos and even like New Mexico State Aggie fans here in the Albuquerque market. Um, and yeah. there has been NIL activity here in New Mexico. Um, but what do you think of those people that say NIL is just going to be, you know, more better for the the haves and and worse for the have-nots. What's your what's your take on that, Luke? Yeah, I I, I, I agree and I disagree. Right? I mean, I, I agree from the perspective that large schools with large athletic departments have the resources to put forward to um, assist student athletes or help student athletes in a lot of different ways. But at the same time, the thing that is so unique about name, image, and likeness is it's really an equal opportunity for student athletes. Uh, of both genders, male student-athletes, female student-athletes, of all sports, football, basketball, but Olympic sports as well, to have opportunities to earn money through name, image, and likeness. And we're seeing that now. You know, the headlines, a lot of the headlines we hear about are football, you know, and, and some of the big dollar amounts going to some fo- allegedly going to some football players. But we're also seeing every single day, I'm talking to lacrosse players, softball players, women's volleyball players, and beyond, who are making significant dollars every single day with name, image, and likeness. And a lot of it because it's a younger generation that has grown up with social media. So they have social media following. They know how to monetize that. So um, because you're, you know, you're right now you're based out of Ohio. I know you uh, did your undergrad at Wake Forest, and uh, then you got your law degree at Ohio State. So, you know, when Ryan Day uh, was talking a couple of months ago is how they needed to get like $13 million raised and all that kind of stuff. What was your thinking on him being so public about that, Luke? Well, I think, I think what he's doing, and, you know, we've, I, we've just 
had conversations. That's just somewhat of the reality right now. And the reality is that top athletes in sports, and especially when you talk about top athletes in football as well as in basketball, they have the opportunity to make a significant amount of money through name, image, and likeness. Now, what's not supposed to happen with NIL is you're not supposed to have a pay-for-play, right, where it's like you come out and you, 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 you decide to play for our team and we're going to pay you. But what's challenging about NIL is that there's, no, there's, really, there's really so many ways around that. I mean, because as long as a student-athlete is providing a service, right, putting up some social media posts or making some appearances, signing some autographs, then there's no established fair market value of what's that, what that's worth. It's really worth whatever the market would bear and whatever the market would pay. So he's really just calling out the reality of the situation. When you have top talent and you've recruited top talent, these days because of name, image, and likeness, student-athletes can look around. And now that you have the transfer portal rule changes that, took, that went into effect in 2020, you have this quasi-free market, you know, free agency now, where there's no rules on free agency. It's just, hey, if you get an opportunity and you're a student-athlete that wants to go somewhere else, you can go. We're talking to Luke Fedlum here on ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team. He's an NIL expert. He's a non-agent sports attorney, managing partner at Advance NIL, and partner and chair of the sports law practice at the Porter Wright Law Firm. Also the author of Sports Law, a practical guide to protecting the interests of athletes. So just to follow up on that, Luke, you talk about you know the reality. Ryan Day, the coach of Ohio State, understanding the reality of market value for these guys. So at a time that we're still in now where there's still all these uncertainties Certainties and lack of control over the situation. Like, how do you think the university takes that in when that's what their head coach is putting out there? Of this is what we're dealing with right now. Well, I think it's I think it's tough, and, and it's hard because institutions right now are all trying to figure out how they're going to handle name, image, and likeness. And as I mentioned earlier, different states. Some states have NIL laws in place. Some don't. And because of the NCAA policy on name, image, and likeness, they basically say, "Hey, schools." If you happen to be in a state where there's no state law, you can come up with your own policy. But if you're in a state that has a state law, then you have to follow that state law as part of your policy. And some state laws included language that uh, prohibited institutional involvement. So the institutions, the schools getting involved in NIL with their student-athletes. So some schools are starting to realize who don't have that restriction, realize how they can be involved, and that can be a benefit uh, to their student-athletes, and other schools don't have that ability. So it makes it really tough for schools to figure out how do we keep up with our competitors, how do we make sure that we can recruit the best talent, and then, just like Ryan Day is talking about, how do we make sure we retain that talent as well? Where do you think we are headed with this? Because it de- it doesn't sound like anybody that falls under the category of the powers that be is is really happy with this, but there's a lot of people just throwing their hands up too and saying either I don't know what to do or it's somebody else's problem. So, I mean, as we're still in this wild, wild west over a year later, like where, where do you think all this is going? Yeah, I, I get this question a lot, and I think it's interesting because when you, when you talk to a lot of people, the answer is we don't know. Right? We don't know where this is going. But, I, but where I think this is going is ultimately that schools are going to take control of name, image, and likeness. I, we've already seen some states um, and schools within those states lobbying the state legislature to repeal their state laws that had some restrictions around NIL in place. So we've seen some of that happening. We've seen other schools lobbying for that to happen and those changes to happen. I think Missouri here just recently, um, over the summer, um, updated their NIL law to allow for institutional involvement. So I think we're going to get to the point, because Congress, I don't see really 
acting on this and coming up with a federal standard because there are some really thorny issues, thinking about things like revenue share, collective bargaining, possible categorization of athletes as student-athletes as employees. I think it becomes a real thorny issue for Congress to come to an agreement on a national standard for NIL. So I think ultimately schools are going to take control and say, we're going to control this, as opposed to third parties like uh, NIL collectives, donors, and others saying what NIL should be. I think schools are going to take that role and say, this is what NIL is going to be at our institution. Well, even, I guess, going a little bit more specific than just, you know, where is all this going? Do you see this as a potential springboard towards anything else, like a next step of athletes getting maybe, you know, a chunk of TV revenue or contracts? Or, like, do you see this as a potential springboard towards a next step once everybody's got, you know, once everybody's got theirs, so to say, with NIL? Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it a springboard. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a platform uh, for diving. Because I think in, in some respects, what NIL has caused people to realize is that student-athletes should have the rights for their own name, their own image, and their own likeness, and to be able to earn compensation like they've never been able to earn before. And what it has done, and I think the thing that's going to be the springboard, are these massive conference media rights deals. And when you have you know, the Big Ten signing a, a multi-network deal for $7.5 billion, to then say, hey, student-athletes, you know, this is, this is all ours and none of yours, I, I think we're beyond that. And I think we are absolutely going to start seeing, in some form or fashion, student-athletes being able to participate in the revenue that's coming into the conferences. We're talking to Luke Fedlam here on Team Talk ESPN Radio 101.7. The team, he's an NIL expert and a non-agent sports attorney helping out the student-athletes and getting a better, helping us all really get a better understanding of the business side and the world of NIL. He's on Twitter and Instagram, at Luke Fedlam. And I'm glad you mentioned some of the contracts and everything, Luke, because we saw over the weekend, we saw Bryce Young, the quarterback at Alabama. He's a Heisman winner, so he's in the Heisman House commercial now. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how does that start to, you know, maybe either complicate things or, you know, again, as we're talking about move things along, like could that start to have an impact on, on how these deals get worked out? Well, I think the thing that it complicates is that forever schools have been able to control all of that. Schools and and coaches and athletic administrators have controlled what student-athletes are involved with the media, you know, from from magazine covers to interviews, media time, etc. And now they don't have the control. And as long as the student-athlete, and if you notice even in that commercial in particular, you don't see the logo of the school on the jersey. Mm. So... The student athlete has the right to go ahead and do that deal. Um, they just don't, you know, different schools have different rules and regulations around when you can use or can't use the, uh, the school's marks and logos. But I think we're going to see more and more of that. Now, the challenge is, and this is what everyone kind of looks at, and we kind of looked at it last year with Spencer Rattler doing deals, you know, early in the season before the season started, then midway through gets benched, and what impact does that have? The question is going to be, how are, how are the athletes who do some of these national deals, how do they perform? And does, that, does NIL add additional pressure or possibly bring a distraction? But coaches are handling that differently. I've talked to some you know, head football coaches that have said, we want our student-athletes to do all their deals prior to the season starting, even if they're drafting or creating content and just holding it and just releasing it during the season. We want it as, as minimal distractions as possible. And I think – we're going to see how this season plays out because we have way more student-athletes engaged in NIL this time this year than we did this time last year. 
Okay, so Luke, you're an NIL expert and uh, you're a sports attorney, but you're a non-agent sports attorney. Uh, talk to me about some of these agent sports attorneys and uh, yeah. are they kind of you know getting a little bit fat from all of this nil activity are there some people that have really honed in on it you know because in years past they weren't called their agents they were a lot of times called their aau coach or something along <laughs> those lines let's let's face it right um yeah. so um does actually nil like actually expose uh, these kind of people more than and then in the past because everything can be out front well, yes, it does. I mean, now we're, we're having the opportunity where anyone can be the representative of an athlete now and bring them deals and then act as the agent and get a percentage of that, yeah. of whatever the deal is. And so we're absolutely seeing that. Now, it's interesting when you start to look at the differences and some of the nuances between basketball and football, because football, what we're seeing is a lot of, and the NFLPA, uh, uh, DeMaury Smith, the executive director of the uh, Players Association for the NFL, he had to come out last year early on, and they had to make it clear NFL agents are allowed to do marketing-only deals for college student-athletes because the agents were coming and saying, we don't want to miss out on earning the right to work with these players, some of these players, once they make it to the pros. So that's been an interesting dynamic to see a lot of these uh, you know, agents that are player agents say, hey, we're just going to do marketing and prove ourselves to, to this football player over the three years or four years or five years that they're in school. Uh, and the basketball world is a bit different because you've got the one-and-done possibility. So it's a, a lot faster, a lot shorter period of time where certain elite student-athletes on the basketball side are actually on campus. And so then you have anybody and everybody trying to bring them deals to get in the door just for that short period of time. So is, i got to ask you, is it kind of tempting uh, for you to dabble in, in that kind of stuff, Luke? 100% not tempting. I tell people all the time, I have a son who's 12 and a daughter who's 8. And the only time I would ever be an agent is if either one of them said, Dad, just represent me. And I'll be like, okay, fine, I'll do it because you're my kid. I, I really like, I like negotiating endorsement deals. Um, I like protecting athletes and being completely unbiased. So when a player comes to me and they've got a couple different deals they're thinking about, I tell them, I don't care what deal you do. What I care about is that you understand it. You understand how it impacts you and that you're protected based on what you decide and let's negotiate in a way that protects you. So I think I have the best job on the planet. I'm not trying to change anytime soon. All right. I mentioned you got your law degree at Ohio State. We know about them as a football school, but your undergrad degree at Wake Forest, the Demon Demons yeah. are top 25. They're on the road to Vanderbilt. Uh, this is like the uh, high IQ bowl uh, maybe in this game. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, you, you got two teams that are known to, to really play uh, interesting brands of offense. And uh, what's your thought about the Demon Deacons? I know they don't have their quarterback going into Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt this weekend. Yeah, I, you know, I'm disappointed, um, you know, that, that Sam was injured. I think, you know, I think we'll be okay there. Um, I think I think Wake Forest football, man, it is – Coach Clawson is doing some special things down there, and I think, uh, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. I, listen, you heard it here first. All right. For whoever cares out there, I'm picking them to go ahead and win the ACC. Let's, let's upset, let's surprise some teams, let's do something special. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why you know, not? You hey, gotta go with your alma mater. Come on, <laughs> that's it. Hey, uh, thank you so much, Luke. We're gonna check in with you throughout the year and get the latest in the NIL. Appreciate you joining us on Team Talk here on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team in uh, Albuquerque, Luke.
Hey, thanks so much for having me. Look forward to joining you again soon. All right. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Luke Fedlam. All right. Going to take a quick break. When we come back, Lobo football head coach Danny Gonzalez is going to join us next. ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team.